One of the things that I want to uh, make you aware of that we just found out this morning, you know, for some time now, um, David and Shirley Lidbury have been, I say for some time, I guess it's been a couple of weeks or so, that they went to Hawaii and they were scheduled to come back. And as it turned out, uh, just before they came back, Shirley started feeling uh, some uncomfortableness and she ended up going to the hospital and she had experienced a minor heart attack. So we uh, definitely want to be praying for David and Shirley. Uh, when Kathy Lidbury came to the first service to let us know uh, that this had happened, I said to her, I hope they had insurance because they're in the States, and, uh, and they did, so that's a good thing for sure. Uh, I would think to be all of a sudden treated in the United States for a heart attack without insurance would be a very difficult situation uh, for anybody. So we're grateful for that. And she is being taken care of. Uh, she is okay. Uh, it was a minor heart attack. There is some damage to the heart. Uh, and she, she'll have to come back from all of that, but uh, she is in a stage of recovery already. So why don't we just stop right now and just pray for uh, Shirley and ask God to bless her. Lord, we, uh, we know that you are watching over our sister today. We're grateful, God, that you protected her and cared for her and that despite the heart attack, she, that she's all right. We pray that you would nurture her back to health, bring her back to full health uh, immediately or uh, in your time frame, however you want that to happen, God, we pray that you would work in Shirley's life and bring her back to full health. Be with those who are ministering to her, the doctors and nurses and the healthcare system uh, in Hawaii. We pray that you'd be with David and, and the rest of their family as they uh, work with Shirley to nurture her back. Be with her, please, in every way. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. Since Robin and I got back from uh, Zambia, one of the things that I have wanted to do and, uh, and have done some of is to try and give you some picture for the wide range of activities that are going on because of the dollars that you give. And so we find ourselves supporting students and feeding babies and supporting those who work with others, establishing churches involved in the discipleship of hundreds of young Zambians through uh, their studies and educating them. And I think those are all very good things. One of the things that I mentioned to you, uh, just kind of in passing, was I mentioned that there's a young lady there named Megan Hawley. And Megan is from Oklahoma. She has now been serving in Zambia uh, at Namianga Christian School, a part of an orphanage there, for about seven years. At one point, she did take a break and went back to Oklahoma, and she was there for a bit and asked herself, what, do I, what am I supposed to be doing in my life? What am I supposed to be, to, what am I called to? And she concluded that she was called to minister among the people of Zambia and to specifically work with those little orphan children. There are about 35 of them or so uh, that she cares for along with a number of others. And then in addition to that, she, uh, she holds Bible studies for the students who are at Namuyanga Christian School on the campus. She goes out on the weekends to villages uh, with different teams and helps to plant churches and then minister in those churches out in the villages. And I, like I described for you how we drove for uh, five hours one way to go eight, 80 kilometers. 80 kilometers, it took us five hours. And you can imagine that she's on those kinds of roads every Sunday going out into the villages and ministering to people. And if you were to ask Megan today, if Megan Hawley was here and I said, Megan, why is it that you do those things? I have no doubt, but that she would say something like, because that's what Jesus has called me to. Jesus wants me doing just those kind of things. Jesus wants me in Zambia. She wants me to leave Oklahoma and go somewhere else and live in a different kind of place because God wants me to minister in those places. In fact, I think she would say 
that she is following after Jesus in his own ministry. That when she considers what Jesus did, the kind of things that he was doing in the world, that she wants to do the same. She's a disciple of Jesus. She wants to follow after him. So this morning, I, was, I want to reflect for a moment on the notion of Jesus having come into the world and exactly why it is that Jesus came. And in fact, I want you to ask yourself that question right now. Why is it? Why is it, do you think, that Jesus came into our world? How would you sum that up? And I'm not looking so much for your answers as much as for you to just reflect on that. Why did Jesus come? And I think that most of us would probably say something like this. Jesus came so that he might die on the cross to save us from our sins and give us eternal life. Jesus came so that I could be forgiven. He wanted to die on the cross so that I could live. And and that absolutely makes sense to me. And so we might say something like this, forgiveness and salvation. That's the reason that Jesus came. Paul says, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. And that's exactly what we're talking about. We came to be forgiven of Christ and to gain salvation, or he came that we might have that. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, he says. Which is, again, the same kind of thing. And then, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that what was lost. And the fact is, that's you and me. We were the ones who were the lost. We are the sinners, and Christ came to forgive us. And so there's a good reason why Jesus came into the world, and Scripture makes that pretty clear. But interestingly enough, that's not the only reason Jesus came. Like, for example, I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. That has to do, I think, with the notion of enlightenment, bringing light into the lives of human beings. Notice at the top here, I've got judgment and enlightenment, and those might seem a bit incongruous. How do we put those together? But notice the next passage. For judgment, I have come into this world. Why? So that the blind will see. And there's something powerful and that works even about the concept of judgment. And so when he does come and we acknowledge him as Lord and judge and he wants to wants us to reflect on our sins, there's some kind of enlightenment that comes then. I recognized who I am in light of who God is because of what Jesus has done. And then I have come to bring fire to the earth. And even there, there's some notion of light. We know that fire gives off light, even if the word there really is talking about the notion of judgment. So judgment and enlightenment are part of why he came, and he specifically says this, I have come, I have come, I have come to bring these things into the world. Here's another reason that he came. A bit more positive, perhaps, than the last one. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He came to give us abundant life, other translations would say. And so I think about why it is that Jesus came, and I don't know that the answer is quite as easily summed up as I thought it was in the beginning. I thought we could just say, well, Jesus came into the world to forgive me of my sins, to die on the cross so that I could be saved. But when he says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full, interestingly enough, in the Gospel of John, when he says things like that, he's always talking about something that starts now. He's not talking about just in the future. And so there's something about my life here that is better, where I'm lifted out of a 
life of pain and anguish and sinfulness and all the things that make me human. And God lifts me out of that and does something in my life right now, which is a lot different than just forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. So there seem to be several different reasons why Jesus came, and this morning I want to add another one to it. Look at this. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. When they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. And that's because he had been healing. He'd been doing a whole bunch of miracles. He was healing people right and left. And they said, we don't want this guy getting away from us. Keep him here. So they tried to hold on to him so that he could keep healing people. But look what he says in verse 43. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why he sent, why why I was sent. And so he moves on. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So Jesus doesn't allow himself to just stay there and continue healing people because he has another message that he needs to preach. And the message is that I'm trying to bring the kingdom. Well, we say something similar on our banner here. The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so Jesus is there proclaiming the the kingdom and bringing into life something new and radical and different. Look at this passage. And this serves as a summation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. There's one of these that I'll read now, and then in just a moment, I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 10. And it's interesting that in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus says this, and then he starts doing exactly what he says. And then in Matthew chapter 9, after several chapters of doing it, he sums up again what it is that he has been doing. And look at the summation. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, and large crowds followed him. Now, one of the things I want you to take note of here is it says that he was preaching the good news about the kingdom. What's the word for good news that we always talk about? Gospel. That's the word for good news. Was Jesus preaching the gospel? Says he was. But when I think of the gospel and what Paul preaches, how does Paul preach the gospel? Does Paul preach the gospel this way? Not exactly. It's interesting. What is it that Jesus is proclaiming? He's talking about, it says, the kingdom of God. And then he goes about living out that kingdom. And I don't think that at this point, Jesus is talking about Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. Look at this passage. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease. And it's pretty clear as you go through and ask what it is that Jesus was focusing on, that he's focused on the kingdom. That was his ministry. That was his focus. In fact, I would say that there are at least four things that comprise the ministry of Jesus with respect to the kingdom. Jesus proclaimed it. We know that. We can see it up on the banner, but we can see it from those passages that we just looked at. He went around preaching the kingdom. He brought it and he made it a reality, fulfilling it in a preliminary kind of way. And so we've seen already the passage in Luke 17, 21 and 22, where Jesus says, the kingdom is not something that you can point to and say it's over there or here it is because the kingdom of God is among you. So the kingdom is here for sure in the ministry of Jesus brought at least in some kind of preliminary way. And I would say it's brought as he 
starts doing things that are kingdom-like. And then thirdly, spread its influence, bringing others with him so that when he left others, it would continue. And so there he's basically discipling. And so he calls 12 to himself and says, I'm going to send you out in Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 10, and Matthew chapter 10. He says, I'm going to send you out. And how is it that he's going to send them out? Well, basically with nothing, which is just like what he had. And then when he sends them, he calls them to do exactly the same kind of things that he himself has been doing. So he says, I want you to go and heal the sick. I want you to go and cast out demons. And I want you to preach the good news of the kingdom. And so Jesus brings the kingdom and spreads its influence and then passes on to his disciples this message. And in fact, you and I are disciples who hear this message and need to go about spreading it like they did. And then finally, he gave himself completely to its purposes. And what does that ultimately end in for him? Ends in his death. Ultimately, Jesus gives himself finally and completely to the mission of the kingdom. And for that, they kill him. And so it seems to me that Jesus is bringing to us a kingdom that's more than just forgiveness. In fact, I'm going to say something here that might startle you a little bit. I wonder sometimes if our concentration on our own personal forgiveness of our own personal sins isn't even a little bit self-centered. Just think about that for a moment. I recognize that I am totally in need of the forgiveness of Christ. But my sense is that if I limit what Jesus came for to my own personal forgiveness, and if that's all I'm concerned about is receiving forgiveness for myself, I can rejoice all day about that. But have I hit on what Jesus was hitting on with the kingdom? Am I talking about and thinking about and focusing on the very things that Jesus was talking about and thinking about and focusing on? And I would say I'm not. Not if all I'm concerned with is my own personal forgiveness of sins. That is huge. Don't get me wrong. We all need the forgiveness of Christ. It's it's monstrous. It's one of the biggest things in my life. But there's a part of me that wants to say, after I receive my forgiveness of sins, now what? Now, what does my Christian life mean? Does it mean that I just continue to live in and dwell on and focus on that forgiveness? And I would say, no. I would say that Jesus was focused on the expansion, the propagation, the influence of the kingdom. And that when we start doing that in response to the forgiveness that we have received, then we start to do something bigger. We start to do something more significant even. And so forgiveness of sin for sinners is one aspect of the kingdom, a huge part of the reason that Jesus came. And we saw some passages that express that already. I came to seek and save that which was lost. But the kingdom is not just about forgiveness. Jesus was preaching the good news of the kingdom in their synagogues. He was teaching. He was healing. He was asking them to obey everything that he commanded. And when we start doing everything Jesus commands, it actually ends up looking different than just the reception of my own forgiveness. Because I'm responding to the kingdom call. 
And so Jesus calls some forgiven people to be what he wants them to be in assisting him to build the kingdom. So we're supposed to preach good news. But the good news for Jesus, the gospel, was not just the message of the cross. The good news that Jesus preached was about God doing a new thing in our world that drastically impacts everything. And so it's about repentance. But what does repentance mean ultimately? Somebody tell me, what does the word repentance mean? Somebody said it. Yeah, to turn back. Things are different, to change. Everything becomes different with repentance. It's not just a matter of me saying, well, I'm not going to sin anymore. I get the impression that the word repentance applies not just to what Jesus does for me, but what Jesus wants to do entirely for our world. He wants it all to turn back to God. He wants it all to change. He wants it all to be transformed. And that's what the kingdom is about. And so, yes, we repent. We want the world to repent. But what we mean by that is we want the entire world to change, to be different, to be transformed in light of the coming kingdom that Jesus brought. And so we want to bring transformation into the lives of people, that they might become followers of the king. But not just so their sins will be forgiven, but maybe so they won't sin anymore. So that there'll be transformation. So that the the guy who hits his wife, who is a Christian, will stop hitting her. So that the guy who drinks too much and who is a Christian will stop drinking. So that the person who steals and who is a Christian, because this is what we do. We are Christians, but we sin. And so we continue to sin, and God wants us to be transformed. So he says, I want my kingdom to come and completely change you and then to change the entire world as you go and bring my kingdom to them and bring my transformation. And that's what Jesus really wants. And so we help him with that. When we went out to Megan's village, I told you before, it had been 22 years since we went there. And I can't remember if I've told the church this or not, And I I just almost hesitate to tell you because it sounds so bad. But when Megan and I, or when Robin and I went to adopt Megan in 1993, you know, we picked up an adoption paper that the father had signed. Megan's birth father signed an adoption certificate permitting us to adopt her. And there were various reasons for that. His wife had died in childbirth and he didn't have a way to feed her, and I've explained before, it was traditional for them to bury the child along with the mother, and they were going to do that, but then they heard that someone could take Megan, and so they made a different choice. But do you know what it says on her adoption certificate, the reason why we were able to adopt Megan and why her birth father gave her up? The reason it says on the adoption certificate is because she was a bad omen for the family. A bad omen for the family. Now that tells me that this is a family and a group of people who are into witchcraft. They're into thinking ways that are completely opposed to who Jesus is. 
And what I would have said 22 years ago is that what they need more than anything is for Christ to come in and change their lives. And so we go out 22 years later and we spent our, our, a couple of hours with them after that horrendous drive and we had to go back again, of course. And at the end of our time together, Megan's birth father turns to the translator and he says, I would like Mr. Carter to lead us in prayer. And I have to admit to you that I had not thought of that. And the reason I hadn't is because I thought I knew who these people were. And so 22 years later, in the meantime, something has happened. And what's happened is that Thomas Siafue and some others have been going out to those villages. And they go out on the weekends like Megan Hawley does, and they go in and they sit down with people and they teach them about Christ. And they send medical missionaries out there. Every June, there's about 120 medical missionaries who converge on Namuyanga Christian School campus, and they go to all the surrounding villages for two weeks and just do medical help. And some of them went there. And so what's happened? Megan's birth father, who at one point is signing a document and saying she's a bad omen for the family, is 22 years later saying to me, and he knows I'm a preacher, saying, would he please lead us in prayer? Because the kingdom has come to them and expanded into their area. There's been infiltration. There's been input. Something has changed. There's impact there. The kingdom has come into their lives. And they're asking me now to pray in the name of Jesus. And that's exactly what Christ wants to have happen. Is for us to take in that way the kingdom into our world and see it changed. In fact, Jesus would say, that is why I came. And so he sends us in his name. And we need to respond and to do what he says. A couple of weeks ago, we put a bunch of leaves up here. We'd reflected on the fact that there are things that the kingdom calls us to. And so we wrote on the back of the leaves and said, these are some things that I'm going to do in the name of Christ in response to the kingdom. And we came and taped those up to the wall. If you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, you didn't have a chance to do that. But you have a chance today. We have a basket up here. And when we're all finished this morning, after we've sung our last song, I would love to, if you're thinking, oh, I want to do something for the kingdom, you can come up here, grab a leaf, tear off a piece of tape, right on the back of there, what am I going to do for the king? And then tape it up here and show us how our, our plants are growing <laughs> as people respond to the good news about the kingdom. I hope he's doing that in your life. Let's pray. It is so exciting to read in scripture how Jesus, you made the coming influence of your kingdom central uh, to what you were doing. And we thank you that we have a chance to be part of that, to, to live and dwell in your kingdom and to take 
the kingdom to our world. Thank you for those who do. Help us, God, to be those who do. We thank you that Jesus gives us power and motivation, just a love for him that calls us to minister in his name, in the name of the king. Send your spirit that we might be people who do that. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen.